0: Hey, this is Evan Marc dating coach for smart, strong, successful women and your personal trainer for love. Welcome back to the Love You Podcast, where you're going to learn everything you need to know about dating relationships, men, and sex from a man's point of view. And today we are going to dive in with a controversial idea. If you're a woman with money, you don't need a man with money. There, I said it. (laughs) Now I know that's extremely challenging, but I've put a lot of thought into this, so bear with me. Uh, This is the kind, this is, I hope you watch both halves of every podcast I have, but this is one where you definitely want to tune in to the second half of this as well as the first half. The first half, I'm going to give you three stories that help form my worldview on this. They're all entertaining and informative in their own way. In the second half, I'm going to explain how you could radically increase your odds of happiness by learning to date like a man. But this the overarching topic is men and money, what they think about money and money in relation to you, who spends, who makes more, the whole thing. So we're going to get into the nitty-gritty right this second. First story, right? If I was doing vignettes and I was making a movie, here's the first story. I'm a 30-year-old customer service representative at JDate. I'm making... $32,000 a year uh, while I'm putting myself through film school. I go out on a date with a psychologist. Um, She's attractive. She's on J-Date. She's Jewish. Um, She's bright. Uh, We have a really good connection. Uh, I am doing the best I can, of course, to be chivalrous, Um, but I'm a man of limited means, and I've always said there's a big difference between a man being cheap and a man being poor. At the time, I was relatively poor. Um, I've never been cheap, Um, but take her out on three, four dates. I think third date, she spent the night, uh, woke up the next day. We went for Bagels or something like that. And she's like, you know, how about you buy, buy us a dozen bagels and cream cheese and orange juice and Luxe? And I was like, okay, you know, because uh, again, that's what a, a guy of, of means would certainly do. It's no problem. Right? The problem is that I wasn't a guy of means, but I did everything that was necessary um, on the first four dates I paid for everything. And then she, she, she said something appreciative. She said, um, uh, I, I got the next one which, you know, was music to my ears as a guy who had no money, who was putting himself out over the course of these couple weeks. It was really nice to hear that she appreciated me and she was going to to get the next one. And so um, I'm at work and she calls me and says, I I just read LA Weekly and I found that there's a play. I remember the play. I think it's called It's Just Sex. It stuck with me. Um, She So there's this play and it's at the small theater. Um, Could you call up and get tickets? All right, so... This, is the, this was the, the meal she was supposed to get. And you hate to keep score, but she said she was going to take me out. And then she calls me at work and she says, you know, could you get tickets to this? Well, I'm not going to be like, no, you call and get tickets. Now, I have no idea why she called me to tell me that I should get tickets, but okay. So I call up, I procure tickets for the event, and I figure, all right, she's going to get dinner beforehand, like she said. So we go to dinner. It's an inexpensive dinner. It's Chinese food, uh, 40 bucks, something like that. Um end of the meal, she throws her credit card down, goes to the bathroom. Uh, when she comes back, she sees that I didn't throw my credit card down and that, in fact, she got the entire $40 check and she looks me square in the eyes and she says, and I'm not kidding, what am I, your sugar mama? <laughs> what am I, your sugar mama? Because I let her pick up $40 dinner after I picked up the first five dates. That was the last date we went on and she had she was surprised right? when I told her my feelings about this. She was really surprised. And to this day, uh, she disputes the facts of that story. So that's one formative experience from when I had no money, dated someone who had greater means uh, and felt severely taken advantage of. Uh, the next story, uh, a few years later, I, it's the first year of my business, I'm running uh, East Cyrano Online Dating profile writing, E-C-Y-R-A-N-O, for anybody who's interested. And I'm sort of a one man show. My book just came out. uh, This is 2004. My book just came out and this is the first year I'm on my own and I'm actually making a living. I'm not doing odd jobs for other people for 30 grand a year. I'm actually making a living. And to be explicit, uh, this was a year in which I made $60,000, my first year in business. and. uh, writing people's online dating profiles like crazy. And I happened to get a girlfriend who w- was a woman, right? This is not, you know, I was 32, she was 38. She'd worked for 17 years straight out of college at the same company. Um, she was like a senior vice president or something like that. Um, I don't know what she made, but I'm guessing it was $200,000. She owned her own condo. Um, and I was gaga about her, she was, she was, she was wonderful. Um, I was definitely in, in, in love with her. But I remember uh, in, in our fast-starting relationship, I remember it was the summertime and she wanted to go on like a five-star trip to Cabo to celebrate her birthday or something like that. Now, I'd never traveled anywhere um, from 21 to 30 whatever I was, 32. I'd never gone anywhere because I never had any money. Uh, I'm not the kind of person to ever go into debt. I'm not the guy who's going to put five grand on a credit card and go to Europe. So I pretty much hadn't been anywhere, uh, much less on a five-star trip anywhere. So it became a negotiation where I have a girlfriend who makes 200-some-odd thousand dollars, and me, who's in the first year of his business, making... I didn't even know what I was going to make that year. This is the middle of the year. The first year I was in business, I I ended up making $60,000. And we're trying to negotiate um, the kind of trip that we're going to go on and what amount I'm supposed to pay. Uh, And it became sort of a microcosm of what our entire relationship looked like. Because I know I'm the man. I know what the man's role is supposed to be. And yet, our means are so different. She's making three to four times more than I am and she's expecting me to go halfsies on everything or at least alternate checks. And I understand the idea of chivalry and a woman wanting to be taken care of and doing the best I can, but I'm I'm sort of bankrupting myself trying to keep up with her because she was an older, successful woman with expensive tastes. So again, I'm not trying to throw her under the bus, but I remember being in that position where there's such a disparity in income and I'm being, trying to be the man and trying to keep up and realizing that you know, I'm, it's hard for me to keep up because she's expecting me to, to pay half of everything when I only make one quarter of everything. Next story. Um, this is years later. Um, I'm with my wife for nine months. Uh, She's not my wife, she's my girlfriend at this point in time. Uh, I'm doing better in my career, I'm more established. This is now 2008, I think. And my wife, 2007, my wife confesses to me that she's $40,000 in debt. Um, Part of it had to do with her divorce, Um, didn't get any alimony payments from her husband who had lost his job. Uh, Part of it was she was bailing out a friend of hers. Um, her best friend was going to be evicted from her home. She had two kids. My wife took out $15,000 on her credit cards to support her best friend. Um, so not that there are good reasons to be in, in debt, but there were valid reasons that my wife was in severe debt. Um, but I was, I was upset, and, and she knew that I'm very, I'm very responsible. I'm the guy who gets the bill, pays the bill that day. And um, I remember... I remember her telling me, and I was—I was so angry, I was so upset. Like she pulled the wool over my eyes. Like forty grand in debt. How are we gonna merge lives? How am I gonna buy a house? You're—you you know, you are going to destroy our credit. Blah 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 blah. blah. And I remember, you know, once I got over that, and I realized why she didn't tell me uh, at the beginning, because I would have—I would have judged her for being fiscally irresponsible. I, I'll admit it, and she knew that. So she hid it for me for nine months. But at that point, I was in, I loved her, and I was thinking about a future. And I said, all right, so how are we going to solve this one? And so we came up with a compromise. And the roles were reversed from this in my previous girlfriend. Uh, This time, I was making, you know, uh, six figures, and my wife was making $55,000 at her career, where she'd been at the same company for 16 years, but it wasn't a lucrative. Uh, career it was a cool career, but it wasn't a, a lucrative career. She didn't. She didn't have company health insurance. Um, she didn't aggressively ask for raises. She didn't bring a new business, and so she got tiny incremental raises and great perks. She did a lot of international travel, but as a result, she's forty grand in debt. And I and, and I'm thinking about marriage, and I'm thinking, what are we going to do about this? I'm not. You know, I'm doing okay, but I'm not going to pay down her debt. Um, so I did the best that I thought I could do, and I said. So here's gonna be our compromise. I know I make more than you do. I don't wanna take on your, your debt. I don't think that's fair of me, but what I will do is I will pay for everything from here on in, all right. Every lunch, every dinner, every movie, every meal, all travel, I got it. So that way you can save your money and you could pay down your own debt. That was, that was our compromise, all right. uh, And this is, this is how I acted in a different situation. Same guy, just has greater means, and uh, and so I, I I absorbed all of our mutual expenses uh, when we when we got married. You know I I you know pretty much paid for the wedding. Got a little help from my parents and her parents, but I pretty much paid for the wedding. And three years later, uh, when we finally got my wife back to even, her credit was was good and that's when we were able to buy a house. And now she is a stay-at-home mom who is on eternity leave. It started out as maternity leave, now it is eternity leave. So those are some stories that helped me form my worldview about uh, men, money, dating relationships, uh, generosity, equality, fairness, etc. I think it's really important to understand that not all men have read your playbook. Uh, They don't always know the right thing to do. Um, There's no one set of rules. Uh, I could talk to five dating coaches and they'll tell you five different things about the appropriate thing to do. I try to give you the point of view from uh, a man's perspective. Um, What most of us are thinking, I can't speak for every man in every situation. I think it's always important in dating and relationships to try to put yourself in someone else's shoes. So in the second half of this podcast, I'm going to explain how to increase your odds of happiness um, by letting go of your financial requirements. Not all financial requirements. I'm not asking you to support a slacker who's, who's playing guitar for quarters on the subway, uh, but letting go of that one that says the man has to make more than you is gonna open up your entire world really change the way you date and get you happy, which is really what I'm here for as your dating coach. So I'm Evan Mark Katz, this is the Love You Podcast, and we will be right back with the second half of Men and Money. Hey, This is Evan Mark Katz, dating coach for smart, strong, successful women, and your personal trainer for love. Welcome back to the Love You Podcast, where we're going to learn everything there is to know about dating, relationships, sex, and men from a man's point of view. And today we are talking about men and money, particularly the idea that a man has to earn more than a woman to be a viable relationship candidate. Um, first half of this podcast, I talked about myself, um, some stories that should give you uh, a sense of perspective on uh, at least why I feel the way I feel. It's worth taking a watch, but I want to acknowledge that I, I'm in a, I'm in a, a fortunate position, um, my, my wife and I. Um, my wife is one of, I, I did research on this before I got here, so my wife is one of 29% of women who are stay-at-home moms, but she's part of a much smaller percentage of women that are called opt-out mothers. Right. They are women who have the choice not to work. Right. Sometimes it's a you know, uh, guy makes $32,000 a year, uh, his wife has no education and she has to stay, stay home taking care of the toddlers and that's why she's a stay-at-home mom. They need a second income but someone has to take care of the kids and that's her job. Um, an opt-out mother is um, women who have master's degrees and stay home and they can do so because they have a median family income of $132,000. So $132,000 is the average family income uh, for opt-out mothers and that only applies to 5% of the population. So, here's the deal. Right, bring it back to what what I what I let off with about the financial requirement that a man make more money than you do. If a man makes $250,000, right? Think about that for a second. And again, I hate to be gauche and talk about Actual hard numbers, but we're using it as a marker. And I know many places in the country there aren't many men who make two hundred fifty thousand dollars. I tend to work with people in big cities, so it's not an impossible number. But if a man makes two hundred fifty thousand dollars, right? we use the example of, of, of me and my wife, where the role reversal where my, my ex-girlfriend made, made two hundred fifty thousand dollars, and I made fifty. So if a man makes two fifty, really doesn't matter what his wife makes um, if he if he makes 250 and she makes 50 um, and he lets her pick up a check he's a cheap bastard All right' I'm, I've been informed by by women that if a guy makes 250 and a woman makes 50 and he lets her do anything he's a cheap bastard okay I'm not arguing with that I'm just pointing out that's what I've that's the uh, the, the word I've received from women that I've coached for many years in the past woman makes250,000 dollars what what are the rules now If we're in a gender-blind society, well, technically, she should be a cheap bastard if um, she was with a guy who made 50 and let him pick up anything. But, of course, that's not the way it works. The way it works is that she expects him to make $251,000 at the very least or pick up at least half of everything. Um, That's old school. That's chivalry. I get it and I'm not single-handedly going to change societal or gender gender norms. All I'm going to point out is that this is the one, just about the one double standard that really works in favor of women. Most double standards are really uh, antithetical to women's rights. He's a stud, she's a slut is a perfect example of of double standards that that, that, uh, weigh against women. This is the only one that works for women. We are 100% equal, equal work, equal pay, equal rights. You should pick up everything. (laughs) You should pick up the check for everything. You should make more money than we do. You should pick up at least half, even if you don't make half. So it's not based on current reality. It's based on a a, a code that was created years and years ago when women didn't work. Men had to pick up everything. There was no option. So that became chivalry. Men pick up everything. Well, now in a post-feminist society where, where women are more college educated than men, have more master's degrees than men, there's definitely still a gender pay gap, but that's it's shrinking, and so we need to create a, a society based on, you know, a, 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 a system based on current reality, right? Because again, it, you can't have it both ways. You can't, you can't say, "I want to be equal, but I'm a damsel in distress, and I hope a guy picks up everything for me." You can say that, but we're in a, a different world now. So I understand the pushback. Um, I've been around the block. Um, and I've always heard, I don't have a problem with men making less than I do. It's that men are insecure around me. And to be fair, that's, there are men who are insecure around women who make more. They're bought into the old double standard too, that he has to be the protector and the provider and he has to make more or he's less of a man. Um, there's a lot of people who do buy into that and they're uncomfortable. And there's statistics that show that you know, in, in many marriages, um, they suffer when the, the woman makes more. Um, but I, I think that's a that's a, a surface reading. That's a piece of the puzzle. It's not your job to per, to convince a perpetually insecure man um, that he's man enough for you. If he is threatened by the fact that you make more money, right? If he doesn't think he's good enough for you, he's not good enough for you. It's a, it's as simple as that. Um, The place I'm coming from is I've been the guy, right? I've been the guy who made 50 with the girlfriend to make 250. I wasn't remotely threatened. I didn't think I was less of a man at all. Uh, I knew what I was made of and I was very proud of what I was doing and the path that I was on. So the issue in that case wasn't my own insecurity. Uh, It actually worked the other way around. The issue then became, and you have to look in the mirror and ask yourself this, is it that he's insecure or is it that you can't help but to look down on a man who makes less than you do. Because the truth is, he could pick up on that. And you might not want to think that, but if you, deep, your deep-seated belief is that he's not really a man unless he can provide for me or make more than I do. Right? He's not a man because he's steadfast and kind and a good listener and honest and loyal and good to me. He's not a man for those reasons. He's only a man if he makes more than I do. Well, if you believe that, he picks up on that and whether you like it or not, you're the one who's the cause of his insecurity, right? Men just wanna know that they can command your respect in spite of the fact that they make less. And it's really hard if you don't really respect him. And again, it's not even a matter of issuing blame. We're just sort of observing the situation. Look in your heart and ask, are you one of those people who actually looks down on men who are either less ambitious or make less money? Because I can tell you, I'm going look down on my wife not in the least. Now, you might say, well, it's different. Well, which way do you want it? Are men and women equal? Or do you think that because a man's a man, he should earn more? He should be more ambitious. Right? He should be in that power structure. Right? It's, it's contradictory and it's a little bit messy. Well, the fact is, 29% of women out earn their husbands. More statistics. I actually do research for these. Right? So yes, men do need to get over the ego of it. But women need to get over it as well, right? um, There is a double standard and that's the thing I really wanted to call out today. I talked about how I wasn't cheap in the first half of this. I wasn't cheap, I was poor. <laughs> Given the means, i you know, I, do, I do anything and I'm pleased to do anything. But I do see that there's definitely a, a, a different point of view. Uh, I think it's based on culture in how men and women see money and giving. Um, perfect example. Um, if I'm if I'm making good money, my wife doesn't make as much money as I do. I want to take her on a trip to Tahiti. Um, I know that if I want if I don't want to go to Tahiti by myself, <laughs> I have to buy a ticket for her. Right? That, that's, I don't spend any time thinking about it. If anywhere that I go with my wife, I make more money. She's a stay-at-home mom now, but even if she even if she wasn't before, she was a stay-at-home mom, I would have to buy the ticket. I would have to pay for the hotel, I would have to buy the food, and that's the cost of doing business. That's what I would do if I wanted to go on a vacation. I find women, my smart, strong, successful clients, have a really, really hard time wrapping themselves around that, right? if the roles were reversed. They'll complain to me, wait, I have to pay for his flight? What a drain, what a, what a mooch, what a leech. I don't know if you've ever thought that, but I've, I've had some, some lovely women that I've worked with who couldn't get themselves around this double standard, all right? that if a man who makes good money pays for his wife, it's well within the realm of normal. If a woman pays for a guy, all right, there's something wrong with the guy and he's taking from her. I swear to God, I don't see my wife as a leech or a mooch, and I wouldn't think that most reasonable men do either. She's got her realm, and there's a right now it's domestic. But you know, if she's in a job where she works for someone else, there's a cap on her salary. That's fine. That's the way it goes. I'm not telling you right now to date someone who's penniless. Sometimes I hear this, and people take these really extreme arguments, right? I'm not saying you should date some slacker and you know who gambles away your money. Right, drains your money from your bank account, so he buys himself a fancy car with your money. That's not the way it works. It's not the way it works in, in my household either. What I am telling you is that if you make $150,000, for example, which puts you in the you know, uh, 5% or something of the country, if you make 150 and you love your work, there's nothing wrong with dating a guy who makes $60,000. All right, if you make 150, he makes 60, now combined you're making Two hundred ten thousand dollars, and if you're splitting things fairly, you're paying for two thirds of everything, right? But again, that's one third less than you were paying before. You just got essentially a. You think of him, instead of thinking of him. Oh, he makes less money. He's a drain on my finances. Just think, we combined our incomes, right? He puts in proportionally what he makes, right? And you end up paying less. It's found money. Right? Not a drain on your money, which is the way so, so many women end up seeing it when a guy makes less. So in the current formation, if you make $100,000 dollars, five percent of men make more. If you make over 200,000 dollars, two percent of make more. Two percent of men make more. If you date my way," where we say, he doesn't need to make more, it opens up your entire dating pool immensely. Right? You still get to keep your job, you get to share your life with someone. And by the way, this is how men date. Right. when men go out there they're not really looking and most men anyway and I'm sure there's exceptions they're not looking for a sugar mama they're not looking for someone to support them we don't we, we don't think of things like that we if we're online like is, is she pretty oh okay let me read about her she sounds cool I'm gonna write to her right. we don't scroll down to education job and income it's 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 incidental right and so I don't want to you know, I'm not going to get into a biological argument about this. Someone might turn it into biology. I really like to think of, of this as something that's gender blind. When a man dates, if he doesn't care about money, it opens up 100% of the world. He could date a woman who makes more than him. He could make a woman who dates less than him. It's one factor that's just not on the table. So that's the beautiful thing about having your own money is that money ceases to be a thing that someone needs to bring to you. If you're a career woman, you have that. So you could date for love and laughter and attraction and kindness and generosity companionship right because you have your own money when you stop seeing men who make less as a drain on you so we need to make that really important distinction between a guy who's you know wantonly spending your money who's completely irresponsible who would otherwise be living on a couch and a guy who chose a job as a high school English teacher or a, a mid-level you know IT guy at a big company who makes $70,000 and is content with his work and does just fine and his bills are paid and he's got a little bit extra. Right? There's no reason that the guy's not, that guy's not a suitable candidate any more than if a guy made a lot of money and chose someone that way. So I go back to that statistic uh, from the first half of the podcast. If 5% of women are opt-out mothers, and they stay home because they have a median family income of $132,000. That means if a man could make $132,000 and have a stay-at-home wife who brings no money, doesn't it stand to reason that if you make $132,000, right, and you have a guy who makes $70,000, right, because a guy who has $132 can support a family, right, a wife and a kid or two on $132, don't you think you can make $132? A guy comes in and makes brings seventy. Now combined, you're making two hundred thousand dollars. Don't you think that's a very realistic way of dating and having a really nice life? As long as you tweak your expectations about how it's supposed to be, you don't need a man who subsidizes your life. If you're a career woman, you're doing fine on your own. That's beautiful. That's empowerment. It opens up the entire world. All right. So my advice, just four quick bullet points of advice for career women who make more money than many men. Number one, be humble about being able to afford nice things. Ascribe your financial success to a choice, not a character issue, right? It's important the same way that you want a man to make you feel beautiful, right? Not to make you feel uh, unattractive compared to uh, younger, thinner, prettier women, right? If this thing is real about men being insecure, you want to make him feel secure. So the fact that you chose a job that has higher upside because you're a lawyer, where he chose a job that has a ceiling to his income, is just a choice he made. It's not about him being a loser or a slacker or anything like anything like that. Right? You made a choice with your career, he made a different choice with his career, and that's okay. Um, number two, if you can embrace him for all his other great qualities, he will feel safe and secure with him. He will feel safe and secure with you. Right? You could, In other words, bring out a better boyfriend. You will bring out a better man if you make him feel like a man in spite of the fact that he does not bring home the bacon the way you bring home the bacon. It doesn't actually make him less of a man unless you make it that way. So if you want him to feel masculine, don't emasculate him by making him feel bad about his lack of means, right? it has nothing to do with who he is as a human being or a partner and or a husband. I'm not saying money doesn't matter, I'm saying that combined, you are a couple and whatever you bring home together as a couple is your income. One person's uh, contribution just because it's more financially doesn't necessarily mean that that person is a better partner. Um, Number three, enter money discussions as if they are problems to solve as a team instead of attacking or pointing fingers. Men do this, unfortunately, in relationships. I've even been been guilty of this. Um, I I hate to admit, where you you say, I'm the person who makes the money here, therefore my vote counts more than yours. Yes, there's a budget. Yes, you should have a partner who doesn't just spend your money uh, against your will. But you can't play the I make the more money card because that's very dispiriting to a partner who, in my case, doesn't work at all uh, or simply just has, doesn't make as much money. You are equal partners in, in a team and when you're making financial decisions together, what are we going to save? What are we going to spend? Those should always be team decisions, especially when you're married. They should be team decisions. It's not one person says, I make the money here, therefore, I'm going to go buy a boat. Um, that's ir- ir- irresponsible and unfair. The other person should have a vote even though they don't bring home the same money. And the fourth one, and I, I actually got this from a, a therapist friend of mine, sharing your financial expenses based on your ap- ability to pay, not on your gender. When my wife and I were first married and I was making four times what she was, um, that was the way we paid our bills. We, we, we put our money into, a, we, we had separate uh, bank accounts. We put our money into a, ju- a joint account. And um, uh, for rent, food, gas, utilities, cable, all that kind of stuff, whatever our, our, our domestic joint was, I would put in 4X and she would put in X that month. Right? Instead of splitting those bills down the middle when I, I made four times more money, that would be really, really unfair to her. Now, we could say it's unfair that you know we're consuming the same amount, we should split it down the middle. Well, that would eat up all of her income if we split it down the middle. So if you're paying proportional to what you make, that is far more fair, it's a smaller chunk, if you're the breadwinner, it's a smaller chunk out of your life than it is out of your partner's life. So don't base this on gender, make your financial decisions based on ability to pay. I know there's gonna be comments on this, there should be comments on this. Uh, Some of my most popular blog posts have been about money. Um, So feel free to issue your comments, speak up, like. Um, I really want to hear what you have to say. I know this is um, this could rub people the wrong way, but I think it's an important discussion to have and to put on the table. Uh, thank you for joining me on this Love You podcast. My name is Evan Mark Katz. The next episode I'm, I'm going to talk about, oh gosh, I don't even know what I'm going to talk about. Maybe how to make your own luck in love. I like that. How to make your own luck in love. If you enjoyed this Love You podcast, don't forget to hit the subscribe button. Follow me on Facebook and Twitter. And most importantly, go to www.evanmarkkatz, where I am going to give you free dating and relationship advice. All you got to do is give me your name and email address and I will take care of you forever. Thank you so much for your time. I will see you again next week.